the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The following program is pre-recorded on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Welcome back. I don't know what's going on with the uh, election. I'm pre-recording today's show, and final numbers aren't in there yet. But uh, I can tell you this. People, they love to worry and try to forecast things that are unforecastable. <laughs> and they try to, and I love to worry about it, too. So uh, if your party's winning, you're probably not worried. But if your party's losing, you're probably worried. And it's, quite frankly, it's too early to tell. And secondly... You really have no control over that. And that's one of the things you, you have to get used to uh, when you're managing your own money or at somebody else's money is you can't always be perfect. It's, it's, that is never going to work. And um, one of the, uh, I think one of the more challenging parts of being an investment advisor is people's expectations. They expect that you're supposed to be perfect. They, they think you're a magician not an investment advisor. You can accurately forecast what's going to happen and when. And yeah, if I could do that, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing a radio show. That's for sure. The, uh, I'd be flying over in my fleet of private jets <laughs> because I can tell you that if, if you could get one 10% move correct from beginning to end in one six month time period, I can show you how to make so much money. You, you know, you, it's like winning the, the big lottery that they just paid out to one person, by the way. But um, so the fact that nobody's there aren't a whole bunch of people running around in with private fleets of jets should let you know a little bit about how difficult that is. OK, that's like how many predict how many points the Browns are going to score in the fourth quarter of their third game next year. That's what your odds are. <laughs> And I know that's not what you want to hear. That's not what a lot of people want to hear. In fact, that's 
probably one of the reasons that I'm still working. I, I scare a lot of people away by telling them the truth. <laughs> and uh, what do you mean you can't predict that? And, and I'm telling you, I just um, was talking to three people yesterday that said, I know you can't really know this. And I go, well, okay, why are you asking me then? <laughs> I didn't even let them finish the question. I just interrupted them. I'm getting cranky in my old age. But the, um, and, and it, they started laughing because they knew that I knew they were going to ask me where they thought that the market was going to be over the next 12 to 18 months. And you know what? Like I said, if I knew that, there, there are these things called futures contracts, okay? They move 20% every time the stock market moves 1%. You understand 20% for every 1%. So if you were to uh, know, and, and by the way, you can buy that's an options out of futures contract. And some of them are actually moving more than that. So you only need to get a 5% move correct to double your money. Think about that. If that were doable, <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd have a whole bunch of people. You'd have Warren Buffett following those people around, begging them for tips. Yeah, and that, that's just how difficult all that is. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now and start talking about some, some stuff that's actually useful. Uh, and I want to keep going back to the 4% rule. That's the 4% rule for those of you that have never heard it, um, which you're probably about 21 or 22 if that's true. Um, it's basically the amount of money that some financial planner did a study on and said, if you went back to the 1920s, started taking money out of the S&P 500, and then he used a, a generic bond index for, the, for half the money, and half the money was in the S&P 500, which is a, uh, an index. It's not the stock market, by the way. It, it only represents 500 companies and there used to be thousands of companies, and, and there still are thousands of companies in the stock market. So, but it's what people refer back to when they think of the stock market. Not terribly accurate, but you know, being that it's the most popular, that's what I'm going to use. And that's what he used for the study. If you had a half your money in there, and you had half your money in bonds, and he had to go back and look at the average bonds, and they put a portfolio together, uh, a whole bunch of of um, assumptions that they had to make. And they ran these things, these models, and they said, "If you what what amount of money could you take out and raise by the inflation rate over time uh, to keep up with inflation? What amount of money could you take out to keep up with inflation that would last for thirty years? So because the average retirement's actually only about twenty years, and so if you've got if your money's going to last for thirty years." and you want a high probability of it lasting 30 years, and you're only going to take out 4% a year, then you have a 50-50 blend, 50% stock, 50% bond, you should be okay. That's what that whole test is all about. You should be okay. I can remember a time when I was first in the industry, you, know, you could get treasuries paying 12%, uh, CDs were paying 11%, 10%, and, and nobody was... <laughs> Hardly anybody invested in stocks. When I first started in this industry, 15% of households had money in the stock market. The other 85% kept their money in the bank and they were buying money market accounts and basically savings vehicles. And that number is flipped today, by the way. 85% of people have at least some money in the stock market. 
and uh, 15% don't have any at all. And they've been really hurt over the past few years because interest rates were so low. Now that interest rates are starting to move up again, uh, you know, there's a lot of risk with the wrong type of investment in, in bonds or fixed securities. When you buy a bond fund, you better pay really close attention to what the average maturity of that bond fund is. Now, I know that a lot of you know CFAs out there, and if you don't know what a CFA is, don't worry about it. They do. They're about to get really offended, by the way, <laughs> because I'm going to tell them that duration is useless. The, uh, it's not that it's not useless, but it's not that helpful. I found average maturity to be much more common sense. What is an average maturity? Let's say you got a, a whole bucket full of bonds that you've purchased. Maybe they're all just government bonds. And if you look to see what the average rate of maturity, that means let, let's say it's three years. Okay. That means you've got some of them. They may be, they may not be, uh, um, maturing until five or six years or 10 years. And you might have a whole ton of them that are going to be maturing in three months. But if you took an average across the board, that's what an average maturity is. Let's say the average was three years. And that's what the reason I chose three years is because I'm going to recommend that if you're looking at bond funds, find out what the average maturities are, make sure they're less than three years. That's what we've been holding because there are several bond index funds, kind of like the S&P 500. They're supposed to represent the uh, um, high-quality corporate bonds. Uh, Vanguard's got one. BlackRock's got one. They're nearly identical. And when you look at what those have done over the past year or so, they're down in the mid-teens. And think about that. These are all high-quality bonds that whose average maturities are really, it's about seven years and they're, seven years is not really that long of a time in the stock market. But those funds, those bond funds are down like 15% or so. So if you kept all the income that they're generating right now, it might, it'll only take you about five years. Let's say they went flat. They didn't move up or down. They just kept paying the interest. You'd finally get back the money that, that you're down by in about five or six years. Sound exciting? Not really. That's one of the reasons that I'm talking to you today about looking at the average maturities on your bond funds. You can look at the durations too. If you want to look that up, go to Investopedia and uh, you can see, you can read all about it. I don't have time on this show to explain that concept. I think average maturity is a little easier is for me. Uh, so average maturity just says, hey, look, if, if you look at the average of what, when these bonds are going to mature, that's what an average maturity is. And I'm saying don't go past three years. Just don't go past three years. Uh, the 20-year average maturities out there, there's a, uh, um, I think it's a BlackRock fund. It's, it's uh, yeah, long-term government bonds. And that thing is down more than the stock market is. And those are government bonds. And by the way, you know it's going to take an incredibly long time to make that money back if you reinvested all the income that you're going to get from it. So my point here is that all bonds are not created equal. And you really need to know a lot about it if you're going to have them in your portfolio. And you should have them in your portfolio because despite the fact that they're down uh, a lot this year, they're still down less than stocks are. If you're in the right types of bonds, they're down a lot less. And if, you're, uh, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for generating income and you want safety, 
You should just go to my website and reach out to me, and I can send you some information on that. What are we doing now? What, where are those bond funds with the shorter average maturities? If you want to talk about your situation, that's fine. You know, I can set up a phone call, and uh, I'll have uh, one of my assistants put you on my calendar, and we can talk about those things. But right now, again, go back and look at your portfolios. Look at the average maturities on the bonds. And this, this is one of the tough parts about a balanced fund. A balanced fund is a fund that has stocks, bonds, and cash in it. And the bonds in most balanced funds are kind of like that bond index fund. And they've just been getting hit really hard. And people don't, you know, they don't understand why is this down so much? You know, it's not supposed to be. And, and they're right. You know, when they say it's different this time, it's really different this time. Bond funds, uh, well, balanced funds, stock that had stocks in them, that's what a balanced fund has. It has stocks, bonds, and cash. And sometimes some real estate, sometimes some international, but mostly stocks, bonds, cash. Back in the late 70s, when interest rates were going higher, they were getting crushed again because you had bond prices that were dropping. Not nearly as much, though. Back in those days, the market was not nearly as liquid as it is today. Um, another word for liquidity might be, or si- similar concept would be, um, I just lost my whole train of thought there. <laughs> well, if you've got liquidity, you can buy and sell pretty quickly. And uh, with a lack of liquidity, you're going to get fluctuation uh, that should be greater than the fluctuation is in the more liquid investments. In other words, the easier it is to buy and sell something, the slower it has a tendency to move. Although not always. I think one of my clients told me a long time ago, hey, Bill, never say always uh, because at some point in time, you're going to be wrong. (laughs) And he was true. I mean, that was true. I found that out to be completely true. But anyway, so I think I'm getting close to my first, uh, the end of the first segment here. But I'd like to wrap this up by saying if you're investing in bonds and you should be, if you're, unless you're in your forties, you know, if you've got more than 20 years to go before retirement, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd, I'd still have some bonds just for safety factor because the stock market can drop 40 or 50% over a year or two. And that would be really hard to take. If you're in your, if you're in your early forties, by the time that recovers, you might be in your early (laughs) fifties. And if you can, uh, if you're contributing to it the whole time, that's great. You know, you'll be buying lower share prices. Uh, you'll be buying a lot more shares at lower prices, and that's a that's a great thing to do. But you've got to expect that you're going to see a lot of fluctuation in those stocks, and then there's nothing you can do about that other than continuing to cont- uh, follow your plan and invest, invest in that stuff. When you get over past the age of fifty and you're approaching retirement, you need to slow that down. I'd have some money in shorter term bonds and the type of funds you're going to invest in are going to make a big difference in how much risk you're taking. I hear the music. That means I got to take a quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back. Growing comfortable. Are you too scared to move and walk out of this tomb? Buried underneath lies that you believed safe and sound stuck in the ground too lost to be found you're just asleep and it's time to leave come on and rise up take a breath you're alive 
Is your job recession-proof? Now might be the perfect time to switch careers and become an IT professional with My Computer Career. IT is listed as one of the top recession-proof professions. You could have your dream job in just months, not years. No experience needed. Take classes online or on campus. And financial aid is available to those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Charlie Kirk wants transparency. FBI has backdoor access to Facebook. And so the most important question, what stories are they suppressing right now as as things are happening right now? What stories are they suppressing as votes are being cast? What stories are they suppressing seven days out from an election? The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. From an idea that started in 1967, Our Lady of the Wayside has grown to serve almost 900 children and adults with developmental disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. It's an operation that is still growing thanks to tremendous support and generous donations like the Wayside's Car Donation Program. You can donate your ride to the Wayside for a great tax write-off by calling 1-800-368-6262. The Wayside is also looking for people to join their team. They hire for attitude and train for skills. Visit thewayside.org to apply. Today. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. Is it finally time to update your bathroom? Bath Planet, a division of Joyce Factory Direct, specializes in replacing and converting old showers and tubs into new beautiful bathrooms in as little as one day. We have transformed thousands of bathrooms just like yours into a spa-like oasis that has homeowners excited to use their new bathtub or shower. Right now, all bath installations are 50% off. So call to schedule a free consultation with on-the-spot pricing. 440-243-5700 or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. This is a new back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to reach out and have a conversation, feel free to go to my website and uh, fill out that contact us form. I'll be glad to give you a call. We can set up a meeting. It can be over the phone or in person. It uh, doesn't really matter anymore. I can't believe how good we've gotten at being able to do everything over online and over the phone. That's it, mind-boggling. Um, then sped up by the uh, coronavirus. Our ability to do those things has really been impacted in a great way. And that's one of the things when we talk about stocks a little bit later that uh, I think people don't really pay attention to a lot. 
because there, there's so much negative news going around around that sort of thing, and rightly so for a lot of it. But when you get through, when you go through hard times like that, you um, generally, even as an economy, when an economy's suffering because their constraints holding it back. Uh, they develop new methods for dealing with those things. And then you've got a whole bunch of new industries out there and the economy actually grows. So if there's a positive side to this is that it's fueled economic growth. And, uh, and that's not going to go away now. I mean, cause I don't think they, you know, the virus is going away. In fact, I'm just, I just fully recovered. I, I got the virus for a third time about three weeks ago. Actually, a little bit more than three weeks ago, but a third time. <laughs> so I, I'd better have some antibodies by this point. <laughs> Otherwise, something is deadly wrong. So um, anyway, but, you know, the, the, the bright side of that is that there are a lot of medications. They did, they've been spending a ton of money on research and development. They've got a, a lot of new alternative medicines that are coming out now uh, so that in the future that you shouldn't have people that have it for a year and get it three times, I guess. But the, um, uh, and that's a good thing, you know, and that's the bright side of that. That's how a lot of times economies grow. You know, it's, you've got conflict, you got to work your way through the conflict and the solutions that you come up with ha- happen to, you know, advance whole economies. And, um, anyway, we were spending, we were talking a lot about, um, the 4% rule that's spending in retirement you probably kind of want to shoot for that. And I'm working on a little booklet. I'll let you know when I get it done. But it's uh, I'm, I get really tired of reading a lot of the stuff that I'm reading, financial planning magazines and all that kind of stuff. They like to make everything so complicated. And you can't plan for everything they say that you, can, that you should plan for, incidentally. You can't plan on your kids' weddings and putting them through college, especially nice colleges, and being able to put it enough uh, a way for your retirement unless you're very wealthy. And that's great for those people that are very wealthy out there. But for the, for the vast majority of people, when you look at the average household income being right around $70,000, okay, that it's awfully tough to pay for weddings, colleges, and save money for your retirement when you're making 70000 for the household. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> and my only per- my personal feeling is that you should pay yourself first. You should you you have to be able to take care of yourself. You don't want to be a burden on your kids when you get older. You don't want to have to. I don't want to live with my kids. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but uh, I'm sure they don't want to live with me. <laughs> that, that that's that would be the more accurate part. But uh, so you have to do that in figuring out how much money that takes. And you just need to do some estimates on it. That 4% rule is a really good rule to help you get a kind of a ballpark. Now, so if $40,000 was something you felt like you could to supplement your social security or whatever pension you have, then uh, 40,000 is 4% of a million bucks. You got a million bucks, you're good to go. Think about that. I just said a million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot to come up with when your household income is 70,000 bucks. You know? So you have to start pretty young. And if you're not starting young, you're going to have to invest a little more aggressively, which is kind of what I was just going to get to. What outside of the bonds, you know, we've got fixed income out there, the CDs and bonds that are paying right around 4% now. 
Um, you got a lot of fixed indexed annuities, by the way, that are paying more than that. That that's one of the things I like about them. Uh, even if you're not taking the income, like I have them, and when I'm eligible for full Social Security, okay, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to turn them on. And it'll supplement my Social Security and the uh, uh, other income that I'm taking from my portfolio uh, whenever I decide to retire. If I ever decide to retire, I'll tell you, I, I, I have it pretty good. I like what I do a lot, and uh, it's not physical at all. In fact, I have to force myself to get out and exercise. But the uh, um, but I like it. So I'm very lucky in, in that respect. I can, uh, I can do most of this in my sleep, like the 4% rule, 4% of a million, it's 40,000 bucks, 4% of 2 million, 80,000 bucks, 4% of 3 million, 120,000 bucks. Relatively simple. The math gets pretty easy when you've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> but, um, so you look at that and you know, you, you can sit down. There are tons of, of tools. You can actually go to Bloomington Capital on online, uh, my website, and there's some calculators there, but there are calculators all over the place. Figure out how much income you'd like to have, divide it by 4%, and that's what you should try to shoot for because you're going to have to raise that over time. That's, that's the starting point. And that's something that I think is missed when people talk about that. The 4% is the starting point. In fact, when you're looking at fixed income investments, um, say some of the fixed annuities, that are you know, a lot of them are paying more than 6%. A lot of them are paying more than 6% with a, uh, a chance to go higher I'm going to tell you that the chances of them going higher are probably pretty remote. Uh, I don't think that they'll do that because they would have to make an awful lot of money to be able to pay out more than 6%. Um, but you're, you're kind of in that ballpark when you get there. And if that sounds good to you, that sounds good to me too. That's why I've got a pretty good chunk of savings in there so that I know I'm going to get, uh, while I'm waiting, by the way, uh, the benefit that I could get if I turned it on tomorrow, which you are allowed to do, you don't have to wait until you're um, 60 and a half. There, there, there are no uh, time limits on, well, you, the one I bought, you have to wait 12 months. So and I'm way past that now. Um, but you could take that income now if you wanted to, and you wouldn't pay a lot of uh, penalties on it. In fact, most of it's going to be tax-free because you know, the, the, the tax laws around those things make them really attractive. You know, the rate is, is a lot higher than you can get on fixed income right now. Um, the, they have features now where if something happens to you and you own one of those products, uh, and you're taking income from it and let's say you get hit by a bus, they would pay your beneficiaries out, whatever was left in the cash account. Uh, and some of them will even add layers of benefits on there you, or make it available to you so that you could, the worst case scenario is they would get back at least what you started with. So if you put a million dollars in there, took out 50,000, got hit by a bus and the stock market had crashed, your family would still get the million dollars minus your 50,000 bucks. If you had that in the stock market and it crashed, you might, they might be getting like less than half of that. Okay. So it's got all kinds of, of tools on there. The, the main thing is the amount of income that you can get and can generate for yourself and your spouse, and uh, it's pretty high. So if you'd like to learn more about that or how that might fit in in your financial plan for retirement, feel free to, to hit us up. You know, it doesn't take a, uh, a long time. I'll send you a link to a website, uh, one of the products that I like to use a lot. You can put your information in there, your uh, age, 
it doesn't ask for email address or name or anything like that, but you can put your age in there, uh, whether you're male or female, if you want to include your spouse on there and it'll tell you what kind of income you could expect. And if you wait, this is what's really nice about some of the products. If you wait, if you delay taking it, it's kind of like social security, it'll go up, but the increases in these are a lot more than the increases in social security are. Okay. So again, I, I think they make a lot of sense given the market that we're in today. It's so volatile. And by the way, the market's not undervalued. It's, it's not super overpriced, although I'm sure a lot of people would argue with me on that one. But if you look at the growth rate on the stocks that make up the biggest part of the S and P 500, it's right within a range of normal. It's actually right in the middle of the range of normal. If it goes down a lot from here, it's going to be undervalued. If it goes up a lot from here, it's going to be overvalued. Okay. So, but right now it's pretty good. Uh, but still it's, it's always, always been extremely volatile. I remember when I first started in this business 30, over 30 years ago. Now I I can't believe I'm that old. Yeah. (laughs) Over 30 years. And I was reading something Warren Buffett said, and Peter Lynch had just come out with his first book. I think it was 1988. And they both mentioned that the average stock on the New York Stock Exchange fluctuated 50% per year. 50%. I looked at that. I was like, what? <laughs> Nobody told me. I didn't see this in finance classes back at Kent State. And uh, <laughs> so I went up running to the, uh, and by the way, this was before the, you know, Al Gore had invented the internet yet. Okay. So you couldn't go back and check it. <laughs> you couldn't get a graph of the S&P 500 unless you paid a lot of money for it. So I went back and I, I started researching and asking my branch managers and, and some of the leaders at my company. And they were all, all of them told me, nah, that, you know, that never happens. And I was like, oh, I, and I'm so glad I didn't take their word for it. I don't know if they just didn't know or if they thought that I would not be able to sell anything <laughs> if I knew that it could drop by 50% or more. Yeah, which incidentally has affected me my entire career. I, uh, I'm, I'm, for a lot of people, I'm pretty conservative. Yeah, and I take the risk that I know I need to take to be able to reach my goals. And that's one of the things that I like to work with with clients on is determining, okay, what kind of a risk taker are you really? And in fact, I think I have the best question to address that of any of the questionnaires I've ever seen. And the question is, how much of a decline are you willing to accept to try to reach your financial goals? How much of a decline are you really willing to accept to see in your accounts? Now, before most people answer that, the vast majority of them say, oh, well, I'd be willing to be down 10%. Really? Did you hear me just say stocks are going to be down 50% at some point in time? Okay. So if you only want to be down 10%, 10 is 50% to 20%. You won't make a whole lot of money with only 20% of your money in stock funds. Let me put it that way. You won't. But if that's your actual risk profile, if that's all you could stand, then that's what you should do. And by the way, that question is a lot more conservative than the questions that I see that are really complicated and nobody knows the answer. I see these things all the time. You know, you've, you've seen it too. Look at that Morningstar questionnaire. Just, just look up Morningstar investment questionnaire. Uh, Google that and uh, see what kind of questions you're going to get. 
So I, I like mine better because it's simpler and it's right, you know, it's in your face. Hey, if you can't stand a 50% correction, don't put all your money in stocks. Okay. Cause at some point in time, there's a pretty good chance it could happen again. It's happened, I think four times in my lifetime and I'm not even 60 yet. So that's a, uh, you know, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to see that again. And, and I know it. So I keep enough money in the bond funds, in the short-term cash, especially when you start to take money out. If you're taking money out and market, you know, stocks are down a lot, that's going to affect your ability to take money out in the future. So you really got to pay attention to that stuff. And I I know this is very difficult for most of you. And that's one of the reasons I have a job, you know, and, and, and if I didn't do this for a living, I would try to find somebody that, that is actually going to listen to what I have to say is going to take and try to build a portfolio for me that is going to take into account what my fears are <laughs> and uh, what my needs for income are. And that's kind of basically what we do. Uh, when we come back, I've got to go to a commercial break here fairly quickly, but we're going to talk about what, make, what makes the biggest difference in the performance in a fund over long time periods. What key attributes do you need to look for if you're looking to maximize the performance of the fund and you have a, uh, an eye on risk, okay? So what are the best risk-adjusted uh, prospects for funds or factors for funds that you need to look for? I hear the music. That means i got to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook. Vacation Fixation. Plumbing for Women. The title of that course would probably ruffle feathers today, and understandably so. But back when I taught it, everyone loved it, especially the students. Those women really wanted to know how plumbing worked, and they felt empowered by being able to work on their own plumbing. In the final exam, students made a modern art-looking sculpture from copper pipe and fittings. Each joint had to be properly soldered. Then we'd hook that sculpture up to a garden hose, and we'd pressure test it for leaks. It always worked perfectly. I still have some of those sculptures hanging around my office and home. I have always loved plumbing, and it's one of the great joys of my life to spread that passion to others, including our employees at Wyatt Works. Because I believe you deserve a plumber who loves his work and treats it like a calling, not just a job. Not only will he do better work, but you're going to be a whole lot happier having him in your home. And 
Quite frankly, that's the secret behind the Wallach-a-Doodle experience. Consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. No doubt about it, we're spending more time at home, which is the perfect time to make it more functional and beautiful. Hi, Ed Flash Ferentz here for Artistic Renovations, Northeast Ohio's premier and award-winning remodeler. Artistic did a fantastic job with our kitchen in 2016, and last year, they were back for the master bath. Oh, my word. Do yourself a favor and go to artisticreno.com. Believe me, you'll love their ideas and without question the finished product. For a virtual consultation, call 216-520-0838 or visit Artistic Reno.com. Thinking about updating your home? Well, Joyce Factory Direct specializes in replacing old, outdated windows. Proudly made right here in Cleveland, Joyce Windows features their exclusive Smart Shield High Performance Glass, which means you'll be getting the most energy efficient windows for your home directly from the factory. Customers just love how much warmer their house is and how easy their new windows operate and clean. Right now, you can save 50% on all installations. Just call to schedule a free consultation with on the spot pricing 440 243 5700 or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. appropriate is that hey this is bill bullington i'm here every saturday morning from 11 to noon you can go to my website bullingtoncapital.com if you'd like to reach out i'll try to help you the best way i can uh i'm going to take some time to try to get to know you uh to have you tell me what kind of risk taker you're going to be uh what kind of investments you like don't like yeah we'll try to build a portfolio together and uh that's one of the things we do is build portfolios and then monitor them and then rebalance occasionally. And the rebalancing, by the way, this is really interesting. uh, How Department of Securities audits investment advisors, a lot of the investment advisors in the state of Ohio, um, once you get to a certain size, you got to bump up to the SEC. But uh, they come out, and it's really interesting. uh, They're coming out to my firm next week. They come out about every other year. And I'm really looking forward to it because I always pick their brains. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what have you guys heard? And uh, so I'm not sure they enjoy it, <laughs> but but that's okay. Uh, and or I'm, I'm always looking. I'm always curious. And at this stage of the game, I pretty much know in the long run, uh, you know, what factors matter most in your portfolio. The first factor that's going to matter the most is what percentage of the money that you have in some sort of stock or stock funds. And I'm going to limit that or, or actually try to narrow that down to stock funds because I really don't believe individuals, the average person should have a lot of money in individual stocks that average 50% a year range. I'm telling you, do you think stocks are less aggressive today than they were 30 years ago? You, you think they fluctuate more or less? If you guess more, you're right. They, they fluctuate more. So that's not something that would be prudent for somebody who's getting ready to retire and start to take money out of the accounts. I think you should start looking at diversifying that, using funds. It's fine to have individual stocks. 
you know, no problem. Especially if you've got a big pension that gives you a couple thousand dollars a month more than you're spending anyway. Okay. Then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, uh, uh, and that's one of the reasons there, there's no one size fits all. Everybody's in a different financial condition. Uh, they have different risk tolerances. I would say people that are in their mid sixties to mid seventies, the, if they're married couples, males have a tendency to do more of the investing than the females. Uh, females have a tendency to be better investors. <laughs> so, you know what that's saying, guys? Turn it over to your wife. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, oh, and I know, uh, Josh is shaking his head no. Believe me, that is the predominant uh, theory of most males. They've never heard that phrase, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> they should take that into account. But uh, anyway, so when you do get to that point where you're starting to look and uh, talking to advisors and you know trying to get a plan put together, when you're doing the investment plan, there are three factors that actually matter more than the uh, anything else in the long run. Over a five to ten year rolling time period, what's a rolling time period? Well. 2000, 2005 is a five-year time period. 2001, 2006 is another five period. It's a rolling five-year period. It's the next five-year period. So if you look at over five and 10-year rolling time periods like that, the three things that have a tendency to stand out the most are size, how big is the company? Uh, capitalization is another word for that. The S&P 500 are the largest 500 by capitalization. So the size of the, the, the value of the company's stock, that's what they're talking about. Um, that does have a pretty big impact on it. In the super long run, smaller and medium-sized companies have a tendency to do, uh, they're, they're, well, actually, they're all within, they've been within 1% of each other over the last 40 years or so. So I, I don't think it really matters a lot in the super long run. But in the short run, it can be very helpful because they don't all move up at the same time and they don't all move down at the same time. By diversifying that, you, you can hopefully smooth that out. But size is the first factor. The, the second factor is speed. When someone says capitalization, they're measuring how much value the company, let's say the company has a billion dollars, or I'm sorry, a billion shares and it's 10 bucks a share. Okay, that's $10 billion. So if it goes to $11, now it's going to be 11, uh, I'm sorry, if it goes to $11 a share, that's going to be $11 billion market value. It's just gone up by 10%. If it does that inside of a, uh, you know, a lot of times it'll do that in a few days. Okay. That's some rapid, super rapid appreciation. And a lot of the S&P 500 fund uses that to say, oh, wait a minute. We've got to add more to this stock because it's just gone up. And where are we going to take it? We're going to take it from the stocks that have not gone up or the stocks that are going down. And a lot of people think, oh, yeah, that's great. That's one of the things that, that I like least about that strategy. Because what happens, what has had a tendency to happen over long time periods is that you get a period like the 1970s, you get a period like the 1980s, you get a period like the early 2000s where everybody was doing that all the institutions were doing it. And those companies got so far away from any semblance of real value. What's, what's value? Well, if you look at the share, the earnings per share of a company and you divide it by the share price, 
and the yield is less than four or five percent, it's probably overpriced. If the yield is one percent, it's super overpriced. Okay, when the share price just keeps going up, in spite of you know sales and earnings that may not be keeping up with that, that's why you get these really long time periods where the returns are really crappy and this and the stocks are really volatile. So that's why I don't like putting all my money in, in one basket because and a lot of people they don't mind you know they like to do that. So anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. So you got size. Rank them by size. The smaller ones that are growing faster should do better in the long run, although you can go for a long time. Last 10 years, the large companies have beaten the small companies mainly because of a, a lack of institutional support. There, a lot of funds are not... The funds that are out there don't have as much money uh, to go into those stocks as the funds that are being allocated to larger companies. So anyway, um, speed, that's the size and speed, that, that's actually one... Um, one factor, and that's called capitalization. As the capitalization's going higher, and I know I'm repeating myself here, uh, the uh, speed picks up, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it'll keep doing that until it doesn't. One other factor that you could add to that, which is missing from the S&P 500, is profitability. You would think that a lot of those companies, the, the average person thinks that they're all profitable, and They've never heard of a, uh, what is the uh, company that Elon Musk just bought? My mind is Twitter, yeah. Twitter's never made a profit. (laughs) Twitter's just lost money, like over and over and over again. And people keep investing more money in it. At some point in time, they're going to have to make some money somewhere, or they'll end up going out of business. They'll end up burning through all Elon Musk's cash. And see ya. Uh, That's probably not a for a really long time and maybe it does turn a profit one day you know most a lot of big companies that are around today amazon lost money for several years i mean several years and it was making nothing they were they were spending more than they were taking in uh but it made it now i can tell you for every one of the amazons out there uh there are a thousand companies that didn't make it okay and you never hear about those especially after they've you know, gone bankrupt and embarrassed everybody. <laughs> so you want to look at profitability. Size and speed are really good. You add profitability to that, and now you're cooking. You know, that's like the, the Russell 1000 growth ETF. It's one of the reasons that I use that. Um, one of the other uh, factors that I really like is adding a dividend to that to the other factors, the size, the speed, and profitability. You add a dividend to that. Say uh, it's paying a dividend. The dividend's going up each year. Uh, the sales are going up. The profit margins are uh, staying pretty steady. Uh, now you're cooking with gas. And I really like those. Those are actually more conservative stocks. If you look long enough, they've got a, a better long-term, super long-term track record than the S&P 500 does. But when the S&P's in favor, it, it basically beats just about everything else. And it's just the, uh, uh, the what's the, the fool's rush in <laughs> the, uh, and it's not that bad all the time. I mean, there are times, you know, when the market's down, I remember this guy called in, I don't know, probably, I think it was 2008, 2009. And he was talking about how the market's going, you know, down a whole lot further. And I'm like, really, you think it's going down a lot further from here? And, uh, we had a nice argument on air and, uh, he, 
He calls back. The market was down, I don't know, probably 5 or 10%. And I go, uh, yeah, by the way, I also know, and I've got uh, Fibonacci. He was using Fibonacci. He didn't think I knew what Fibonacci was. That was hilarious. I go, I know where the Fibonacci levels are, and they're right at this point. And by the way, you just passed it, so the next move, big move, is probably going to be up. And and by the way, uh, I'd rather be lucky than smart any day. <laughs> and that day was just kind of a guy. I like to think I'm smart. So was, I think it was kind of a combination. But the market literally bottomed within a couple of days and just shot off like crazy. And that guy was, I, I you know, he didn't call back. He was saying that he was selling short the stock market. And uh, I doubt that he was. But the uh, anyway, he, he thought that that would be a really good thing to say. And the market took off on a tear, the likes of which it hasn't seen. It's only seen increases like coming off the bottom of 2009, uh, maybe four or five times in the last hundred years. And so that's what you get. (laughs) If you're not in it, you're going to miss it. And trying to predict that stuff, it's just so hard. Okay. But that's one of the, uh, and one of the impacts of having just size on the value of the shares uh, being your the, the, the most important factor, you know, you're taking a lot of risk there. You're, you're taking a lot of risk. If you have a, a long enough time period, sure. Okay. If you're looking out over 30 or 40 years, no problem. If you're looking out over the next 10 or 15 years and you don't want to be down quite as much and you'd like to, when it does go down, you, you don't want it to take 10 years to recover. Well, these other factors, that's where they come in. It may not go up as much when the whole mar- when the S and P five hundred is going. It might not keep up with it, but you can bet if those they keep true to their factors, and you're looking at companies who may not even have profits. Uh, a lot of the companies that were trading back in two thousand didn't have profits. A ton of them actually end up going away and going. That's why the indexes dropped as much as they did because they went bankrupt. Okay, if you want to avoid having that happen and those uh, instances where that does happen, giving yourself a better chance of making your money back quicker and having it fall uh, not as much, then you look for these other factors like the size is is important, but so is profitability. If you got profitability and you're paying a dividend and you've been raising those dividends, that's a, uh, that's a pretty good sign. So again, I'll give up a little bit of the upside to try to protect myself on the downside. And I want a strategy that bounces back quick because I'm getting old. <laughs> and uh, most people that in this country, incidentally, that, uh, you know, from households that have more than 70000 in income, only, only one in five of them has a $100,000 saved. And uh, that's pretty rough. When you hear that retirement crisis, that's what they're talking about. There are an awful lot of people that, that don't have enough money to be able to retire. Um, it's a good thing life expectancies are increasing, I think, because it'll give them a longer time to work. And I know if you look around, uh, when I look at pictures of my grandparents when they were my age, I mean, they look like they were 80. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much younger, older people look today than they did 20, 30 years ago. And uh, I just noticed that, by the way, just a few weeks ago, I was looking at an old uh, photo album. I'm going, hey, that, that was my grandfather. And I looked down at the, uh, um, the date and I go, Holy cow, he was only my age. <laughs> that dude looked old. And uh, they didn't have, you know, all the, 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 uh, the healthier food that we had. They didn't really know that you weren't supposed to eat 
bacon, eggs, and biscuits every morning for breakfast before work. <laughs> Drink lots of black coffee. The uh, so uh, we've we've come a long way since then, and uh, you'd want to you want to enjoy that time if you can, and that's why I think that you know, retirement income planning is one of the most uh, it, it's one of the nobler professions. You may not get ever get super rich doing what I do. I mean, you'll do good, you'll do okay, but you're not going to get super rich because you have to deal with too many people, <laughs> and it takes time. But if you like dealing with people, then there's a, a it's a great job. So if you hear anything that you have questions about on this show or something you've heard someplace else, feel free to email me. It's bill at bullingtoncapital.com. And uh, if you want to give me your phone number, I'll, I'll call you back. And if you don't, I won't. And by the way, sometimes it takes a while. In fact, the, uh, the people that there were eight people that answered correctly um, from the show where I was, uh, did my horrible Gomer Pyle impersonation. And said, who is that? But he said, surprise, surprise, surprise. So I did get your, uh, I, I got all the $25 Starbucks gift cards out. So check your emails because I sent them all out today. Sorry for the delay. Starbucks' website stinks, by the way. I mean, it is, it, it, I don't, you can't sue me because I'll prove it. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. surprise. Yeah, there you go. But uh it was very difficult, you know, and uh, so I'll take the blame, I guess. But, um, man, I did finally get it through. I, I would have had that out earlier, but it took a while. Anyway, I hear the music. That's the end of the show. You've been listening to the Bullington Capital Report here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck. Good investing. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.